0: Hello and welcome to Follow Him Ministries podcast on the book of Philippians. I'm Hollis McGhee, and we're continuing this study of the book of Philippians. Today we are in chapter 2 and we're going to look at verses 12 through 18. In case you haven't been with us, this letter this book this letter was written by the apostle paul it was written as a letter and now it's a book in the bible it was written about 60 ad while paul was in prison knowing that he was almost surely going to be put to death he would have been chained to a roman soldier during the time that he was in prison yet this this letter to the Philippians is all about joy and peace and being content in Christ Jesus. So this is one of the greatest encouragements in all of Scripture in any time, and especially as as I'm giving this message today, the United States and indeed the whole world is in the midst of this coronavirus epidemic, pandemic, and so as much now as ever, we need to know and experience and enjoy the peace of God, the presence of God, and the joy of God. And so Paul was writing under difficult circumstances as well, and he has just told them in the verses we covered last time the the truth of who Christ is and how he came and humbled himself, and even though he was fully god he became fully man while retaining his, his status as being fully God, but he emptied himself. That is that he didn't take on a position of authority. He took on a position of a humble servant. But he said that, that there will be a time that every knee will bow and every tongue on earth in heaven and on earth will conf- and under the earth, will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, we pick up there, and the first, verse, the first word we come to is the word therefore. And anytime we see the word therefore, we always need to ask the question, what is it there for? And here it's there for the reason that The word is just revealed to us that Christ is God and that he humbled himself and became a servant and he lived the perfect life. And so this next sentence starts off with, therefore, in light of that, because of who Christ is, because of who he's called us to be, he says, therefore, my beloved, and he's referring to the people he's writing to, They're beloved to him on two different levels. One is that that he has a personal relationship with them, but he could also say that to them even if he had never met them because in Christ we're all a part of one body. So he said, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only as in my presence but much more in my absence work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, when he says you have always obeyed, he's, he's not saying to them uh, or to anyone that this is a perfect group of people. There is no such thing. But he's saying that the course of their ministry, the course of the work of God in that local church has been such that they would be labeled as an obedient group, as an obedient local church. And he said, you you did that when I was present, and I thank you for that, but much more in my absence. Continue to do that. He said, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, he is not saying that salvation is gained by work. He has said clearly many times in Scripture that salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, and nothing that Paul says contradicts that in whole or in part. So what is he saying when he says work out your own salvation? Is he saying that that we need to do certain things to be able to uh, be saved and to continue to be saved No, again, that's not what he's saying. Here's what he is saying. He's saying, because the next phrase says, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So what is our part? Our part is to first start off with honoring God, like as in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, that we would trust in the Lord with all of our heart. That's a way that we work out our own salvation. We continue to trust in him. That's how we're saved. We're saved by faith. We continue to see God's salvation work in maturity in us as we continue to trust in him. And we also have to make sure that we're being led by the spirit and not by the flesh because we can't follow God's leading if we're not hearing what God is saying, but instead we're hearing the voice of the world or the voice of our own flesh. So this is how we work out our salvation. It's moment by moment Uh, experience by experience. When when I'm confronted with something and I'm inclined to say one thing that's coming from my flesh, but I take that thought captive, I hold that thought and say, no, that's not from God, and instead I say nothing or I say something that is God-honoring. And the same thing over and over in how we think and how we speak and what we do and where we go. Trusting God rather than trusting ourselves. Then he says, do all things without grumbling or disputing. Do all things without grumbling or disputing. That means the things that we enjoy doing and the things that we don't enjoy doing. The things that are easier for us and the things that are not so easy for us. Do them without grumbling or disputing. Why is that? First, because everything we do, we do as unto the Lord. And secondly, that our witness is not just by any means what we say or what label we have, but how we live our lives. And if we live our lives as grumblers and people that dispute, then we're not honoring God. So he says, do all things without grumbling or disputing. And then he gives a reason that you may be blameless and innocent. We're blameless and innocent children of God when we are seeking after the things of God. It's not that in our own power we are without fault, but it's that in Christ when we've been born again, and let me just pause and say if you've never been born again, then today, right now, would be the perfect opportunity for that. Being born again is what Jesus told Nicodemus, you must must do to be saved. And being born again is not something that is a part of being in a local church, like joining the church or uh, attending the church or giving money to the church or singing in the choir or any of those things, all of which are good things, but they have nothing to do with gaining salvation, with being born again. We're only born again when we put our trust in, in the lord jesus christ in his finished work and he said from the cross it is finished paid in full for your sin debt and mine and so it is by grace a gift from god for god so loved you and me that he gave his son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life so we know that if we confess with our mouth that jesus is lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved because it is with the heart that we believe, we trust, and are justified, made just before God, and with our mouth that we confess and are saved. So if if we have never done that, let today be the day of salvation. Pray and ask God. It's not the prayer that saves you. It's, It's the faith in Christ, and even that is a gift from God. So he said, do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. We we live today in a crooked and twisted generation may be more crooked and twisted than any other time although sin has always existed and it just gets new names and new ways of showcasing itself but sin is anything that sets itself up against the knowledge of god uh if god says that that we shall not uh, lie then uh, any kind of excuse that says, "Well, this is not a lie. This is just uh, this is just a little um, effort to cover up a small thing, or, or whatever example you might want to give," that that's just a lie, and we we can't buy into that. That doesn't change. God said, "Don't." If He says marriage is between a man and a woman, and we try to say, "Well, we live in a different time." it can be something else, then, then we're rejecting God. We're saying, you don't really know what it is that you created for the people you created, for the purpose you created us in marriage. You don't really know what you're speaking about, God, and that's setting ourselves up against who God is, and that's the definition of sin. Not focusing on that as being a more important sin than, than any other, but, pointing out that when we try to say to God what what he uh, has said to us is not correct then we are setting ourselves up for failure and we're not we're not being um blameless and pure and we're not shining as lights in the world we're shining as darkness darkness doesn't shine but we're showing ourselves to be dark He said, and this is how you do it, you hold, verse 16, hold fast to the word of life. Why do you hold fast to the, what is the word of life? Jesus is the word, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning, through him all things were made, without him nothing was made that has been made, in him is life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So the word of life is the word of God, and Jesus is the word of God, and we have the written word of God that reflects who Christ is. So he says, hold fast to that, to that truth that is in the word of God, so that, so that in order to, on the day of Christ, Paul is saying, I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. He's saying, i want to see you come to the finish line i want to see what god is how god's going to honor you at the judgment seat of christ and he honors you for the good works uh and and i will see my children quote unquote children in the faith do well and god will be honored And then in verse 17, he says, even if I'm to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. This is where he's recognizing that he is about to die sometime in the near future for his faith. He had done nothing but uh, proclaim his faith in Christ. But he said, even with that, I'm glad and rejoice that you guys are growing in Christ, that you're working out your salvation as God works in you with fear and trembling he says finally in verse 18 likewise you also should be glad and rejoice with me why should we rejoice with him we rejoice with him in the body of Christ at what God is doing in him and what God is doing in us and what God wants to accomplish and this is a joyful thing a joyful truth uh, to reflect on and to rejoice in and to be glad about. And it's all rooted in Christ. It comes from him from start to finish. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us to receive this beautiful message you've given us, that you've called us uh, to have the mind of Christ, to humble ourselves, and to, to live our lives in a way that honors you, that that we're, blameless and innocent, that we're working out our salvation, that is, that that Christ-likeness is growing in us, we're becoming less and Christ is becoming more in each of our lives as we hold fast to the word of life so that uh, the Lord may be proud on the day of the judgment seat of Christ because of what he has done in and through the Apostle Paul, and and each of us who are in Christ. So we just thank you, we bless you, and we honor you. In the precious name of Jesus, amen and amen.